Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the rainbow. The rap music plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. When we look back at the 2010s for hip-hop, The defining names that I feel will really be remembered as either influential or impactful from all levels and factions of the game would be Drake, Future, Rock Marciano, the tail end of Kanye's reign, the Backwood Studios team of A1 groundbreaking music, and last but not least, Westside Gun's Griselda movement. Westside Gun and generally Griselda's impact has been well documented at this point. Treating their music like high art and pricing it accordingly, the fashion and generally their approach to physical merchandise really propping up their vinyl and their just apparel and clothing that are really hot commodities to say the least on the market and the resale market. It's honestly dramatically shifted that whole industry. You could write pages and pages and hours and hours of content just on that dynamic. But there's also the musical influences, obviously, with this wave that we will dive into a bit more in depth later on in this episode. The point here being that the Buffalo Natives legacy has been solidified. There's no question about that. And I believe Westside Gunn is fully aware of this as well, shown in his words, but unfortunately also in the less than inspired musical output in his last couple of projects post Pray for Paris in 2020. In my review and overall thoughts that I gave on Easter Gun Day 4, the duo track with Westside Gunn and Makami signaling their reuniting together, and the ensuing beef back and forth with Huss Kingpin at the beginning of this year, I specifically remember mentioning that I was hoping that him reuniting with Makami would reinvigorate his music, giving him some more hunger, resulting in a renewed effort that would be put into the music. Particularly as this Hitler Wears Hermes 8 project was supposed to be not only the final installment of the series, but supposedly the final project that Westside Gun ever delivers as an artist. Pray for Paris, going back to that project, felt like the coronation of Westside Gun as a star and legend in the game. It had a very high profile guest list, more than even what he typically kind of puts together. It had the cleanest and most kind of polished sound that he's ever created to date. And I believe the project was very well done, felt celebratory, felt expensive. Yet Hitler wears Hermes 8 feels even bigger than that. 
as it showcases the best representation of the masterful curation and ear for what's fly that has defined Gunn's career to date. It hits similar notes of extreme luxury that Pray for Paris had, but it has more of that refined grit that I loved on Supreme Blind Tell. This particularly shines through on side B of this project. But starting with side A, the production really dug into the smooth, soulful luxury sound handled mainly by this producer supergroup in The Heartbreakers, comprised of Camouflage Monk, Denny LaFleur, and Conductor Williams. All great producers, and certainly had some good results in the instrumental department on this album. Mariota and Vogue cover particularly were the production of Side A at its absolute best. I would say though that on Side A, I think it showcased too much smoothness and was just a bit too perfectly manicured, which made this side lack a certain punch and visceral impact that I would have liked. Some of the beats don't particularly impress like I wanted. Right Now and Perry Perry in particular are just very tame and didn't really have a lot going on in the beats that I liked. Outside of the production though, there are very few verses either that stand out. Along with a pretty extreme lack of West Side Gun presence as well. I like West Side Gun's rapping, so I want more of that and I didn't get it. And add on to the fact that there was so many Stove God Cooks parts on this album, it felt like he hijacked the project for many portions of Side A. I like Stove God. I really like him, actually. Reasonable Drought was one of the better projects last year, but it was just too much of him. Overall, Side A was a set of songs that were all very well crafted, but lacked the it factor to elevate the music to true greatness. Instead, it all just feels very solid and well-made, but not essential in any way, shape, or form. It definitely didn't live up to the big finish to Westside Gunn's illustrious career that I think it deserved. But what Side A lacked, Side B delivered on in spades. The sound of Side B blended the two sides of West's typical musical brain in a more impactful way. Where the moments of luxury feel more luxurious, the soul feels more soulful. Yet it all was also supported by a more rugged underbelly that resonated with me much more. The West Side Gun formulas that he has been refining for years are pushed to their heights here. On side B, the production is handled by a more diverse cast as well. You have the same folks with some placements uh, from the, the heat makers, but you also have other producers like Sovereign, The Alchemist, Madlib, J.R. Swifts that do a great job. When it comes to production highlights, you obviously have to mention the borderline instant classic of Hell on Earth Part 2, produced by up-and-coming beatmaker Sovereign that is as gutter as Mob Deep's music used to be, which makes sense considering the title of this track references Mob Deep's Hell on Earth. It features these haunting backing vocals too, along with the really hollow drums that is just marvelous. 
and the chemistry between the Griselda trio here is top-notch. You also have songs like Free Cutter produced by Jay Versace that is incredible. It has this rawness to it, but has a magnificently warm and textured set of keys and drums by Jay Versace that is genuinely one of my favorite beats that I've heard all year. And Jay Electronica just freaking spazzes. The same can be said for the beautiful piano work on TV Boy and the incredible ear candy in the wind chimes on that Celine Dion second beat. Munch has this grainy, slow waltz on a summer day type beat that Gun rides to perfection. And both sides feature beautiful scene-setting instrumentals for the skits even, like on both A.A. Rashid joints that are genuinely, genuinely amazing. The rapping on side B2 is a marked improvement. Starting with the MVP of this side, Rome Streets, who drops one of the best verses I've heard from him on Eddie Kingston. It's just a complete spotlight stealer, a complete assault. It was just such a good verse, one of the best verses of the year. Rome Streets is on fire, but that's a different conversation. On Big Al, too, Rome Streets once again delivers a beautifully eloquent verse on that one, and West too, comes in with a more human and emotional performance that he normally doesn't do, and I really loved it. The instrumental, especially on this, felt so remarkably reflective and somewhat melancholic, too. It striked a real chord in me, so much so that later today, I'm legit gonna try and freestyle some introspective raps over the beat, like, for real. Side B, though, does have a few flaws, mainly that it overstays its welcome, plain and simple. Survivor Series 95 had the worst and most repetitive beat on the entire project, with the least interesting verses, and went on for the longest in seven full minutes. Definitely should have just been completely axed. It had no purpose on this album, in my opinion. It also could have used some more West, too. Just like Side A, although not as bad, Side B really lacked West Side Guns raps, which I wish I got more of. Particularly, they could have just replaced a few features here and there, or just left the West Side Gun verse and then just trimmed the fat of any of the other feature verses around him on a given track. But that's a minor gripe, because generally the features were actually very good on side b and overall doesn't change the fact that west curated a great set of collaborators and incorporated them very well and that now leads us to the larger point that i believe west side gun successfully punctuated on hitler 8 as he has done on many west side gun albums in the past aa rashid kicks off both of the sides of this project with some words of wisdom and I really want to key in what he said on Side B because this was probably my favorite contribution of his to date because it really perfectly captured what makes West Side Gun so special as an artist. Rashid speaks about revolutionizing and shifting the paradigm. And what has West Side Gun done but shift the paradigm? Two key waves I believe Gun has really spearheaded over the years are the following. The first being that Gunn has shifted large factions of the rap game to not only accept but celebrate the curator role that he has now settled so comfortably in. 
Before him, the idea that an artist could have this many features and not always be the focal point of every single song on an album would be unheard of and was seen as a negative to many. Now it's revered as one of the most admirable traits that Gunn brings to his music, taking what I think an artist like a Kanye West had historically done in the past and been great at in selecting, you know, the best collaborators and getting the best out of them. I think Westside Gun has taken that even further where Gun's presence doesn't even need to be at the level of what it was on a Kanye album previously, which certainly was a Kanye album first and he was still the focal point of every single song for the most part. Now he really doesn't even need to be the main attraction. And you can see this influence, speaking of Kanye, on Donda, which, as I mentioned in my review, was the first Kanye West album that actually saw Kanye not be in the spotlight for very large portions of the project, and it was actually better for it. And this is also hinted, and I can kind of see the influence just by proximity of the fact that Gunn was in attendance to many of those listening parties, which I think is not a coincidence. But the second key wave that Westside Gun truly has driven was, along with greats like Rock Marciano, for example, popularized the minimal dusty boom bap and drumless beat movement and really brought it back to life and made it now incredibly popular in the underground. Again, there are others who helped push this style to prominence, but part of being influential is being able to successfully make a certain level of impact with whatever moves you're taking. And Gunn as the mastermind of Griselda certainly did that. Hitler 8 was a fitting curtain call for West Side Gunn, not only because the music is mostly great, but because it properly showcased all that has made his artistry so impactful to the art form. As a total piece of work with side A and side B, I'm still impressed and think this is one of the better projects West has put out. I don't think it lives up to his best in Supreme Blindtel or Fly God, but it's right there with A Pray for Paris and some of his best Hitler wears Hermes uh, projects in the past. So I'm feeling a high 7 on 10 for West Side Guns, Hitler Wears, Hermes 8. If this is truly the end of the Hitler series, and if this is truly the end of West Side Guns' career generally, I think that this project was a fitting conclusion to his career. And if that's the case, well done West Side Gun, you'll be missed. So this concludes today's episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC-TV. I hope this episode gave you some fresh new perspectives on the latest rap releases, as well as a recommendation for the next great rap record to add to your collection. If you're an artist looking to level up your career, getting more gigs, album sales, merch sales, whatever it may be, I would love to help you with that by providing you artist development and writing services. So if you're interested, contact me via email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com or hit me up via Twitter or Instagram at rapmusicplugpod. I would be honored to lend my expertise and help you grow your career as an artist. And also for regular rap fans that just want to hear more quality commentary on the genre, 
follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well. For exclusive content and updates related to the show, follow the Rap Music Plug podcast on Facebook to help the show grow and ensure that everyone's listening to the best rap music at all times. Follow the show on the podcast platform of your choice. Make sure you leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts so that the show can be spotlighted by that wonderful algorithm and be exposed to more people. You can find all of this information along with exclusive playlists created by myself by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. Peace.